What a beautiful story, Lily. Thank you for sharing with your dad about the beautiful skies. And also, I love your pants. I think they're great. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day, Gary. Thank you. And hello, Bridgeway. And we're so honored to be able to share God's word with you today. My name is Gary Coiro. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgeway, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Tracy Tiernan Coiro, one of our ministers and clergy team members here at Bridgeway. And a special uh, shout out and thank you to Dr. Anderson, who be, begins his sabbatical and uh, has entrusted the pulpit uh, to some of his clergy staff. And uh, we are praying, Dr. Anderson, that you have a refreshing and restful time and that God fills you with passion and vision as we look forward to your return in uh, just a few short weeks. Well, today, our opportunity on this Father's Day, and by the way, Tracy, I'm just, I'm a little bit surprised that we were asked to speak on Father's Day. Me too. Because, um, you know, <laughs> our dads and our relationships with our dads was kind of... A little jacked. A little jacked up, you know? <laughs> but the... That which is not normal is kind of normal at Bridgeway. And, uh, you know, we have a big tent and we're in a very inclusive family. And, and maybe there just may be some folks out there who have uh, challenged relationships with their dads and can be helped uh, by some different perspective and gazing upon uh, the grace of our Heavenly Father. So today, the title of our message is Fathers Need Grace. And we're going to reflect on our relationship with our earthly fathers as well as our Heavenly Father. Yeah, we, we want to invite you to, to actually go there this morning and think about uh, something that we all have in common. We all have a father, right? We all have one. We're here. We have a father. They come in all kinds of models. Some of them are biological fathers. Some are adopted fathers, um, stepfathers, father figures. Some of them are with us, alive. Some of them are not. Some very close, some feel distant. Some have been role models for us. Some have perhaps maybe missed the mark. Some are maybe trying really hard to make up for what they missed. Some fathers may be very dependable and, and strong and supportive. Some were noticing or starting to decline with age. Some of them tell the worst jokes and we love them for it. <laughs> Some we wish we could be closer to. Some are the ones that we are thinking about and missing the most on this day. Some fathers we need to forgive and maybe some fathers we're praying that, that they would forgive us. All of us have a father. And a father's story, maybe like me, yours is a little complicated. So today we invite you to just reflect on the story of your father as we share some stories about our fathers and some yeah. things that we've learned. And, uh, you know, one thing to keep in mind is this is important. How we think about our earthly fathers oftentimes can affect how we see our heavenly father. Right? People will oftentimes attribute characteristics and qualities of their earthly fathers to their heavenly father, for better or for worse. Yeah. And so it's, it's good to understand how our views of our earthly fathers have shaped us and shaped how we see him. Yeah. 
And, and even as you share that, Tracy, I, as I think about my dad, he was sort of a do-it-yourselfer, you know, and, and sort of an independence. And one of the challenges that I can have, even in my spiritual life, is to walk independent of dependency on my Heavenly Father. Mm. Because apart from Him, I can do nothing. And so my dad has sort of lived a life that sort of helped to form that, real, that, that view of God that I need to now transform into a right. proper view. So, but the, the story that I share is, and you've heard it, uh, you could tell it because you've I heard it several story. times, um, <laughs> that sort of personifies and illustrates uh, my view of my dad, that my dad was kind of, I'll figure it out, we'll do it ourselves, a, a do-it-yourself uh, kind of a person. Um, we lived out in the country, and we had animals. We had dogs and cats, and we had no indoor animals. They were outdoor animals. So we had a cat by the name of Bootsy, and Bootsy was an adorable cat, was black with white markings. And Bootsy used to like to crawl up under the engine, the hood of the engine, get up under the station wagon and sit near the motor on the sh what's called the shroud that protects the fan. And uh, she would sit up there on cold days after the car came home. So this is where she could stay warm. Well, one time she was laying up there when my dad went out to start the car. And this, of course, causes a problem. So Bootsy's leg got caught in the fan belt. It actually threw the fan belt, and it broke Bootsy's leg. No worries. My dad grabbed the towel, wrapped up Bootsy, and said, Gary and Steve, my brother Steve, we're about 9 and 10 years old at the time, and said, hold Bootsy. So we're not sure what's going to happen exactly now, but we're holding Bootsy. And my dad gets a can of ether, which was starting starter fluid for an automobile, and sprays it on a rag and holds it over Bootsy's mouth. Now, before you panic too much, understand that... Uh, no, I want to say my dad knew what he was doing, but he really didn't know what he was doing. He really didn't know what he was doing. Um, as, as my dad's holding that over, over Bootsy, Bootsy gets groggy and Bootsy finally passes out. And my brother Steve, with a whimpering voice, says, Daddy, is, is Bootsy going to wake up? And my dad said, I'm not sure, but if she does, her leg's going to be better. And so my dad straightened the leg out, took popsicle sticks and masking tape, and wrapped up the leg. And sure enough, a couple <laughs> minutes later, Bootsy woke up and promptly ran away. And about three weeks later, Bootsy came home. The cast was off of her leg. She must have chewed it off or something. <laughs> and she was pregnant <laughs> with a litter of kittens and uh, lived a long legacy of having many more litters of kittens. But that's a, that's a story that, I love that story because it illustrates a little bit about my, my dad. Classic uh, Tom. Yeah. Right? Not super sensitive fella was <laughs> Thomas Scoiro, um, but he um, figured stuff out. Yeah. He how figured about, stuff out. How about for you? What's a, what's a story that jumps out for you uh, about your dad? So I've been thinking about what story I wanted to share, because like I, I mentioned earlier, um, the story of me and my dad's is a bit complicated. So I have a biological father, and then I have a couple of stepdads. And shout out to the stepdads out there, by the way. Happy Father's Day to you, too. But my biological dad, you see the picture there, his name uh, was Mark Tiernan. And I was not raised with him. I did not meet him until I was maybe 16 or 17 years old. And so um, my story is really about the, the first time that I met him, which was a pivotal story, uh, a special story to me. Uh, when I heard about my biological father, that he was 
a musician, I was very intrigued because I was a musician. From the time I was a little girl, I was always playing music, but I seemed to be the only one in the family. And I'm like, where did this come from? Why, why can't anybody else sing? <laughs> and so when I heard that my father was a musician, I wanted to learn everything that I could about him. And I did some research as much as a 13-year-old could do, a private investigator going through like boxes in the attic to try to put together this puzzle of who was this mysterious man. And I did it privately because I didn't want to upset my mom or anything. I'm, I'm sure she would have been fine with it looking back on it, but I was just trying to be very protective of her and I was afraid. I didn't know what I was going to find. So I discovered that he's a musician and I discover the name of his band. Fast forward uh, to about 16, 17 years old and I'm, I'm watching cable TV and on cable TV back in the day they used to have this community calendar and it was scrolling and what popped up on the screen was Roscoe appearing at the Catonsville Armory. My father's band was going to be performing like right around the corner and I'm undone. I'm like, I gotta go. We, we gotta go. We gotta go. Well, as it turned out, I was in a band as well, and my band had a band job that same night. But I thought, we'll just go early. I don't need to meet him or anything. I just want to see him. Mm. Just want to check him out, you know? So the whole band goes with me. We show up at the Catonsville Armory, and we make up this story. Yeah, we're, we're playing here in a couple of weeks. We just want to check out the room. And they said, oh, okay, go on in. So we go in and we're standing in the back of this armory, this hall, and there's a stage up at the back and I see the band setting up and this very handsome man behind the keyboards setting up. And I knew that was my father. And I just was trying to take peeks at him behind the backs of my friends and just kind of doing this, you know, like looking. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. I saw him, let's go. <laughs> but my friends in the band, they would not have it. They're like, no, you didn't come this far to not meet your dad. And so uh, Tommy, our drummer, he grabs me by the arm and he drags me up to the front and he says, excuse me, Mark Tiernan? And my father says, yes. He says, there's somebody here that would like to meet you. Her name's Tracy. And my father took one look at me. I look a lot like my mom. I remember my father's eyes were like this big. And mm -hmm. in that moment, Gary, he held my heart yeah. in his hands. Yeah. I didn't know if he was going to be glad to see me. Pivotal moment. Pivotal moment. I didn't know if he was going to reject me, if he wanted anything to do with me. But thank God, he took one look at me. He got this big smile on his face. He jumped off that stage and he wrapped me up in this big hug. He was wearing like this uh, black velvet jacket and maybe like Old Spice or High Karate or something. I remember the smell <laughs> of his cologne. And that was like the most amazing embrace. And thus began a rather complicated um, tumultuous at times, but eventually redemptive and precious relationship with my father. Yeah. Complicated is a good, is a good word. You yeah. know, you're 17 and meeting your dad for the first time. Yeah. You know, my dad's playing home veterinarian. And, um, you know, as you know, <laughs> you know, we, we don't want to dishonor our fathers. You know, the Bible instructs us to honor mother and yeah, father. Yeah. But at the same time, um, when we're honest with ourselves, you know, my dad was a somewhat negligent, detached man who drank heavily and died an early death because of it. 
And so it's complicated. And how do, you, how do you wrap your brain around that? And how do you find the good in these complicated relationships? You know, there are some, some, some gifts that even earthly fathers want to extend to us. Our reflection is going to largely be on the, on the gift that the heavenly father extends to us. Yeah. But uh, the scripture in Matthew chapter 7, 9 through 11 says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil, evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you, give good gifts to those who ask him? Mm. So, so our fathers did try to do some good for us. Yes. And as you think about the gift your father gave you, what, what, is your, what comes to mind for you? I think the most natural one for me would be he gave me the gift of music. You know, I, even though I wasn't raised with him, I, it was in me. Hmm. And here I was being, uh, growing up independently of knowing him. And I was, I was musical. I was making music. I was in a band. And it was one of the great connections that he and I had. I uh, used to go out and hear his band play. And I would sit in with the band. And I would sing um, two songs. I would sing Hit Me With Your Best Shot. <laughs> um, and I would sing um, the best one. I would sing Unforgettable. And my father and I would duet that song together. Uh, and so, you know, treasured memory, a gift of music passed down from my father. How about yeah. you? Well, and that's a gift to all of us, oh. the music that he's given to you. Thank As you. I think about my dad, my dad <laughs> provided environments mm-hmm. uh, that were beautiful. My, my dad was, uh, was a worker in a factory in Pratt & Whitney Aircraft in a machine shop. And so he didn't make a lot of money. But... Since he was a do-it-yourselfer, I mean, he, he bought fix it up, a fix-it-up cottage, and he built his own home and a beautiful piece of property that you've seen there in Connecticut yeah. with a stream in the front yard and mm. 16 acres surrounded by a state forest. And then the, our, our, our little cottage uh, on, right on the beach on Long Island Sound where we spent our summers. So my dad provided environment for me, and that was a gift. My dad loved the water, and he exposed us to the water. We, we did some boating growing up, and so, as you know, I'm drawn to the water now. Yeah. So that's sort of a gift that my father has, has given me. So we, we try to focus and live in the positive, but in reality, we've all, even through the hands of our fathers, have had sin imposed upon us. And part of the reality is, is that we're all just fellow strugglers, and our dads were fellow strugglers. Some of them knew the Lord, some of them didn't know the Lord, but either way, we know that they would have struggled as the Apostle Paul struggled in Romans chapter 7, where he says, you know, I find myself doing the things I know I'm not supposed to do, like yelling at my kids, Hmm. or not doing the things that I know I should be doing, like loving, loving others as Jesus has modeled that love for us. Mm -hmm. So we experience wounds, wounds from even our father. Mm -hmm. You know, 20 years ago, John Eldridge uh, wrote a book called Wild at Heart that um, many men have read. I want to read a a quote from John Eldridge's book. Every boy in his journey to become a man takes an arrow in the center In the center of his heart. So the daddy wounds can be fresh even 40 years later. I was going to say, no matter how old you are, you know, no matter how old you are. 
Because the wound is rarely discussed and even more rarely healed, every man carries a wound, and the wound is nearly always given by his father. Now, what can God do with these wounds? Mm. Mm. We love the promise that this we know, Romans 8.28 says, that in all things, God uses it for the good, that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. Yeah. So, so I need to understand, right, that all things were used of God to make me who I am today, yes. to be able to be, be someone who fulfills his purposes. Yes. So, so as we look in the rearview mirror, we, we, have, we have to accept the thing, the wounds that we've received mm -hmm. and, and hopefully find God's healing in those and recognize the fact that in the sovereign grace of God, that he's using that mm. to make us who we are. And he's so gracious. God is so gracious that oftentimes in those areas where we may have deficits, he will provide what we like to call gap fillers, oh my, right? Yeah. Gap fillers. Are there people in your life that have stepped in to play an important part in securing your heart and filling that void that has been perhaps left by imperfect, imperfect parents? Yeah. Imper imperfect any, I mean, name the role. God provides gap fillers, yeah. people that step in. And we have special gap fillers yeah. in our lives that we're really, we know God placed there to help our hearts. And as a father of six, I'm so grateful for the gap fillers in my kids' lives where I have missed the mark, where I have left voids in their lives, and, and God has sent other people to step in. And I'm grateful for the gap fillers in my life, having lost my dad uh, while I was still in college. At every stage of my life, God mm. provided yeah. other men in my life that I could look up to that were father figures in my life. And I'm so grateful for those gap fillers, yeah. uh, many of them. One in, uh, currently in my life for the last 15 years is a man by the name of Don Rittler. Don's been an, an elder in his church for over 50 years, and uh, Don's been used of God uh, to mentor me, uh, to walk with me, to share with me for mutual accountability, and also a little bit of re recreation as we've vacationed with them. I even so that's feel a, like that's your, a gap filler. your gap filler kind of adopted me too. I, I, I love Don. He did. I, well, your, your gap filler, I don't know if you'd call it adoption, but he certainly screened me when I wanted to marry you. He did. He interrogated yeah. you. My, yeah. my gap filler is uh, one of the elders here of Bridgeway Community Church, Elder Kevin Thornton, who many years ago uh, when we first met, you know, I was uh, just a, a single girl in the church just finding my way. And he and his family just wrapped their arms around me and welcomed me into their hearts and into their family. And um, he's been like a papa to me and so many others. God's used Kevin greatly to be a, a gap filler and we thank God for him. And he walked me down the aisle when we got married. Seven and a half years ago, yeah. he, was, he was that gap filler who stood in as a father figure for you. Yeah, yeah. love super, that. Super grateful for that. And, and also too, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, I don't know if we have pictures of them, but um, you know, I, I have had a number of stepdads as well, um, Brent, Jim, and now Stan, um, wonderful men that God has used in different seasons of my life. Yeah. And uh, Stan Ashburn, my mom's husband, um, the two of them were both widowed and found one another after uh, not seeing one another for 50 years. Yeah. It's a beautiful love story. And this man has been a gap filler in her life, 
um, you know, as a loving husband and partner and in my life as, we call him Stan Dad. Yeah. So we're really grateful for, for Stan Dad, the gap filler. Yeah. <laughs> so talk, talk about this reversal that we need to make. You know, yeah. our, our view of God sometimes is informed by how our dad modeled things for us when we were children. Right. Is that, is that the right order? That's not the right order. What we want to do this morning is now take... Uh, take that filter that maybe you have that maybe is erroneous because you've attributed some characteristics of your earthly father to your heavenly father. Let's flip it around and instead um, take a view, a gaze at our heavenly father. The clearer, the more accurately uh, we understand who our heavenly father is and the gifts that he's given us, um, the better that we will be able to uh, give grace to our earthly fathers and to everyone in our world, really. Getting a view of our Heavenly Father as He really is um, helps us become who we are, helps us become healed people, healed children of God. And so the ultimate Father is our everlasting Father. So we're going to look at Him now, and what are some of the good gifts that He's given us? Yeah. And, and even as you mentioned gifts, love gives. Love gives. Love gives. It's something important for us to remember that love gives. What's the greatest commandment in the scriptures? That we would love God and love others as an outgrowth of our love for God. So we're to be people who are all about love. When you see love in the scripture, you oftentimes see it, see it with the word give, hmm. because love gives. And what does the Father give to us? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave us his son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Hmm. So love gives. A passage that we're going to look at even, even sort of unpacks that a little bit more about what is this love gift that God has given us in his son, Jesus yeah, Christ, right? Yeah, and, and it's uh, in First John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to, to turn there. I'm going to read it out loud for you. First John 2 verses 1 and 2, and John writes this, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So this amazing gift that our Heavenly Father has given us in Jesus, it says here that he is an advocate for us with the Father, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Could you unpack those, those beautiful words, advocate and atoning sacrifice? Boy, it's lo this, this passage is loaded, isn't yeah. it? And, and first of all, just note that John references us as children. Yeah. So we're children, and he also references the Father in this passage. So, so happy Father's Day. Heavenly Father, a yeah. day to honor him as our Heavenly Father and we as his children. And uh, hmm. I love uh, another reference, 1 John 4.10, which speaks about, I think, expounds on this love gives. Mm -hmm. Because in that verse, uh, it says that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this was the love gift of the Father to mm -hmm. us to send Jesus, who now is our advocate and the atoning sacrifice. So let's look at those two 
those two roles, so to speak, of Jesus. How good is one, this gift, Gary? How good oh, is it's, it? It's a good gift. <laughs> to, to be an advocate, by definition, means to speak in one's defense, to be a mediator. And we know, the scripture says in 1 Timothy, there's one mediator between God and man, and it's the man Christ Jesus. So this is Jesus as advocate. It's a helper. It's defined as a legal assistant. If you would put yourself in a heavenly courtroom, imagine yourself standing before the judge. We will all stand before God and give an account. Wouldn't it be great to have the best attorney present with you? Someone who defends you. Someone who advocates for you. Someone who argues that all of your offenses have already been paid for. That's what an advocate is. Romans 8.34 says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding. That word means pleading or appealing for us. You know, the accuser stands before the throne of God day and night accusing the brethren. That's Revelation 12.10. But we have with us an advocate who is standing there defending us before the Father. So as the accuser says, guilty, 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 the advocate says, not guilty because I've paid the price. Not guilty because I've paid the price. So paying the price transitions us from advocate to now what? Atoning sacrifice. Mm -hmm. An atoning sacrifice is a propitiation. It's a means of appeasing. Jesus presented himself as the sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins so that he could purchase a place in heaven for us, which he now offers as a free gift to us. Hmm. Uh, The beauty of what Jesus did in these two roles that he fulfills, it's really exposed to us in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 9 in particular. I'd love for you to read those on your own at some point in time. But it exposes Jesus as both the high priest and the atoning sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Now get this. Leviticus chapter 23 talks about the day of atonement. The day of atonement is the day once a year when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies And he would present a sacrifice for the people, an unblemished unblemished animal, and make sacrifice of that animal before a holy God so that the sins of the people could be covered. What we now have is Jesus is this atoning sacrifice. And he's brought into the presence of the Father. He's brought into the Holy of Holies by the high priest who is himself. So this blows my mind that Jesus Christ, as the high priest, he goes into the presence of the Father. He goes in there to appeal on our behalf, us as sinners. And he presents the sacrifice, which is himself. So he, as the high priest, represents us to to God 
and make sacrifice of himself to God for our sin. I, I mean, when I think about what Jesus has done for us, when I think about the gift of the Father, what the Father has given to us through forgiveness, through the gift of his Son, which he sent as an atoning sacrifice, I'm just overwhelmed with awe and gratitude. Awe and gratitude for what God has done for me. And when I stand in awe of the grace extended to me, I have to then ask myself, don't we? How could I not be an extender of grace to a dad who was trying his best, fail as he did? How could I not be someone who extends grace to him after all that God has done for me? So you are um, bringing up a universal point here that um, all of us have something in common with our earthly fathers. Whether you look like them or you don't, you have something in common with your earthly father. All of us do. And it's this, that we need grace. All of us are beggars before the cross of Jesus Christ. And if we were left to our own defense, if we did not have an advocate, if we did not have that perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins, we would be dead and lost in our sins. But thanks be to God, we're not, right? Our heavenly father is so good. He gave his children everything that we need through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So what do we do with our earthly fathers? We come to our heavenly father and we recognize we have so much in common with our earthly father. We stand here together on even ground saying, God, we need your mercy and your grace. Our fathers need grace. Maybe more than a tie this Father's Day. <laughs> um, maybe what you could give him is a break. Wow. Maybe give him a little grace for um, being imperfect. Um, all of our earthly fathers need that. Um, we're going to put a picture up for you to look at. And um, this is my father, Mark Tiernan, at age 15. And uh, he's a cutie, isn't he? <laughs> when I really want to love and honor my father, this helps me to remember this, this kid, this young man, that he was once a kid, you know, and that he was shaped by an imperfect father mm. who was shaped by his imperfect father, who was shaped by his, and so on and so on. All of our fathers had fathers and stories that shaped them. Our fathers need grace. Their fathers need grace. Our fathers were imperfect humans. I mean, Look at the lineage of Jesus, and it's so amazing how you see God's redemptive power through generations of imperfect people. Guess what? As flawed and as imperfect as our families have been, as much brokenness as there might be yeah. in your family, it's not too much for God to handle. God is not a victim of our brokenness. He's the victor over our brokenness and over every battle. And he's working right now in our families to redeem and restore all things to himself, to heal what has been lost, to course correct our families to follow him. 
And so we've got this opportunity, you know? I'm excited about it. From, from today on, what if we put a stake in, in the ground yeah. and we say that, that brokenness doesn't have to define us? Some people are afraid, oh, I'm going to repeat the pattern of brokenness in my family. I know people who are afraid to be parents because they're like, I don't want to be my father. That's, that's not going to be your destiny. Mm. You might have tendencies, but there's no destiny that's a done deal except for when you put your trust in Christ and you are secured and anchored at him and his Holy Spirit lives in you, guaranteeing that you belong to him forever. That's the only done deal and that's super intense. Any brokenness, any sin that's been imposed in your family line. And so we've got an opportunity today to say, it, it ends with me. Mm. I'm gonna follow God with my whole heart and allow him Allow him to work through me, through his, his grace and his mercy to this generation that I'm in right now. So God is not a victim of our own brokenness. No. And nor do we have to be victims because he's the victor Amen. over our own brokenness, right? Absolutely. And, and, and I so appreciate the fact that as we gaze upon the grace of God, we can extend grace to others, even those who could have done better, and then we can change a pattern as we try to lean into what God has done for us. And I love how you've wrestled through this with your own dad and um, you've put it, put it to music, a beautiful tribute to the grace of God. Grace. Yeah. Thank you.
wonderful husband to come back up. And uh, as you're thinking about your earthly daddies, maybe you need to do a little business with your heavenly father today. Amen. Amen to that. You know, let's give a pass to our dads. They can't give to us what they never received. I have the hope that my dad very late in life, after six decades of not walking with the Lord, uh, transferred his trust over to Jesus Christ. And I have, a, I have the hope that I will see him again. As you gaze upon the grace of God and what he's done for you by sending Jesus to be an atoning sacrifice and willing to advocate for you before a just and holy God, what will you do with that as you gaze upon that? Will you stand in awe and gratitude of that and be a recipient of God's grace? We invite you to transfer your trust over to Jesus Christ. You see, what he did on the cross was sufficient to save anyone. But it's only efficient for those that believe, who put their trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins in eternal light. So as you gaze upon the grace of God, we want to invite you, compel you to trust Christ. And for those of us who know Christ and have received that grace in our lives, let's extend that to others. Let's give them a happy Father's Day through forgiveness, through reconciliation. And then let's trust the grace of God to be the best dads and moms and kids that we can possibly be. Let's pray. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you so much for your love gift of Jesus Christ and forgiveness. 
by sending to us an advocate and one who would atone for our sins that we might be forgiven, sacrificing himself. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. And now Pastor Dave Heiliger will close out our service.